my biggest advice to parents isn't like do this or do that. It's really make up your minds consciously what you want to do and not want to do, whether it's circumcision, vaccination, home birth, hospital birth. I think it's the parents, they're doing themselves a great service to make up their own minds, not just do things because their parents did or rebelling against something, but know why you're doing it, what you're doing and make your own choices. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Yay! It's always so fun to sit at the kitchen table with all the cords and the buttons and the microphones and my favorite people. Today, Jordan and I are at the kitchen table with J.P. Sears and Amber Lee Sears, two of our very best friends who, those of you who've been listening to the show for a while, maybe you've seen they have been on the show before at the time when they were on the show previously. Amber was pregnant and a lot of the conversation was them prepping for parenthood. And what was their sex, love, relationship? What was their intimacy like leading up to conception? And then what was it like while Amber was pregnant and how were they preparing for when the baby was out and then like, what do they do? And so over a year has gone by, the baby is now out. He is walking and He's a walking man. babbling mm-hmm. and is the cutest thing. And so I wanted to bring the Sears on for a part two episode. And of course, my lovely husband is joining us this time. Jordan Maurice Bowditch. I will be the comic relief because JP is not very funny, but I am. That's all (laughs) fact check true. And (laughs) I may point out for those of us at the table that don't remember, Jordan is your lovely husband because of me. That's a good point. Yes. Because I had the pleasure of officiating y'all's wedding. Mm, Yes. Special. Yeah. Yeah. Ordained minister. Yes. You weren't going to, you couldn't be my, you couldn't be my husband without JP. It's true. Like we would just be fiancés forever. Yes. It doesn't work. It just doesn't. Mm -hmm. Great. And you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) He was the key in that equation. Uh Uh-huh. It was awesome. I know that that ruffled some feathers. Most people, it, it tickled them and it was very entertaining. Um, and there were some Ever people that, some were people that were grossly offended. Grossly offended. You would make the a mockery you... of the sanctity of what of a marriage <laughs> of the Pope. The yeah. All of it. All of it. Oh, yeah. God. Like, yes. Yeah. I mean, you were also our flower girl. So yeah, a flower boy, flower person. Well, he identified was definitely as a three-year-old girl. Yeah. Flowers. Yeah. <laughs> very inclusive to everybody and the, mm-hmm. all the communities. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. It's very thoughtful of you. People. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Amber was a part of my support squad, one of my bridesmaids. And so it was really awesome to have you on that note, to have you both standing for our love and mm-hmm. at our wedding. And it was so special. It was it such was. a special experience. You guys created such a unique um, journey for everybody. It was just, it was so you. And I mm. loved every second of it. Thank yeah. you. We had mm. fun. All right. So let's get down to brass tacks. Let's, let's do, do it. it. How's your sex life since you popped out a baby? Just kidding. Unless you want to answer that right away. Um, you can start a little softer if you like, you could, you could warm up and do a little foreplay. Like how, how's life with a one-year-old, your relationship? I just, you know, leave it open-ended. Oh, first. Gosh. Um, so, 
I'm happy to share anything and everything. I'm mm. totally an open book, but I think um, to start out with, you know, JP and I have done so much work over the last year. We hired an awesome relationship coach to help us through a really tough first chapter with Wilder, you know, his first like three, four months, like when we hit that three, four month mark, we were dealing with a lot of fussiness and he was, he was just um, dealing with, you know, growth challenges, digestive stuff and sleeping issues. And uh, JP and I were at each other's throats, just trying to figure out how to, how to communicate clearly, how to share the workload. And so we ended up hiring a great coach. Um, Annie Lala is our mm -hmm. relationship coach and she has helped us so much just with our own personal growth um, and relationship growth during the last year. And I think we owe a lot of the tools and communications that we've, we've communication um, techniques and things like that, that we've learned to her. But um, uh, in saying that we have shifted so much and we've come to a place, I think we are more connected and more a team now than we've ever been before. And we really spend so much more time together now, much more quality time together now, especially mm -hmm. with Wilder. It's like the three of us. It's just so special. We get this little family unit that we're growing and um, it's, uh, just so incredibly special every day. I wake up looking forward to seeing what else we're going to create together as a family. And before we had Wilder, I feel like JP and I were just very individual, um, on our own paths, doing our own thing. And we were, we were not really teaming up so much, but with Wilder, we were really forced to team up and really forced to figure out how to communicate. And, um, that's just been a huge, huge highlight of this last year, as challenging as it was, we had some really crunchy moments, um, but it was all for the good. Yep. That's all non-fake news. And I think we've probably all heard uh, people say like money and fame doesn't change you. It just magnifies who you already are. And I think a kid does the same thing for a relationship. It magnifies what's there for both the positive and the negative and the, mm -hmm. the negative aspects that need to be dealt with. My experience having Wilder is like, it just brings those to the surface where you're, you're, initiated into either dealing with them or they become a problem. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we definitely had our challenges. That's Annie has been a game changer for us. So the, the things that have been magnified that we need to work on, we have support doing that. So much like having babysitters and nannies to help support the child is almost essential. The relationship coach I would say has been uh, probably even more essential than that for the mm -hmm. marriage care. I want to say the child care. Yeah. And I think one thing we've learned so much is that, you know, that first year until you're in it, you don't really realize how intense it's going to be. And there's a huge percentage of couples end up getting divorced in that first year of having a baby because it's so tough. 110%. Like it's super high. They do. Yeah. <laughs> I think wow. it's like 60 or 70%. Like it's Six, really 700%. high. 700%. And, um, okay, babe. Um, and, <laughs> So he'll, he'll just keep doing this too. Yep. So yeah, he'll do it. Yeah, he might. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really high. And so when I read that statistic, I was like, well, yeah, of course I can see I'm in this. It's, it's so challenging. Um, you know, the mom is changing so much. Her whole identity is shifting. And then it's like how, how the dad fits in and how they're sharing the workload. There's just so many pieces to it. So mm. um, I'm really grateful. We're kind of on the other side of that and we're in like an easier uh, period now the wild is a little bit easier to manage and we're in a better place communication wise, but yeah, it's, it's challenging. And, um, I think it's important to talk about that, that like, it's, it's not just rainbows and unicorns. Like, yes, it's absolutely beautiful. Having a baby is one of the most beautiful things that you can imagine the love, the joy, the, uh, connection that you feel as a family, but there's also like some really intense moments and you've got to figure out a way to work through them. Yeah. And all of us live in Austin. It's our chosen home. And we are each other's chosen family. 
on that note, a lot of people bring, they raise children around their blood family and rely on those people to help rear the child and support with time and all of that. And so while you're saying it's so important for the relationship, the help in the relationship and the focus and the designated time, absolutely. And then you mentioned the nanny and all that, and it just became clear. I mean, I've thought about this before, but also clear, like we rely a lot on each other and maybe it's even more important for the nannies or the, the support for the baby so that you can have your individual time. That's, I think it it provides a little bit more of a challenge here outside of like, if you were to have your family in Santa Cruz or if you were to have your family there in Ohio, right? I don't know where in Ohio. But he does. I know. It's like <laughs> a disposed location. Yeah. Small farm town. So yeah, yeah. That's like Jordan. I like <laughs> also Ohio, the whole state. <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh the support system that you put in place for sure. So that you can step into these new identities. Cause I'm sure you both felt it. Yeah. Um, so what was it like watching Amber give birth? Yeah, it was and I'm not exaggerating. It was simultaneously the most miraculous and traumatic thing I've ever seen. Just the, wow. the traumatic part was, I mean, she had been in immense pain and contractions for like 18 hours. Yeah. So to me, it's way easier to be the one in pain than watching my beloved in pain. But I also like knew like that's, this is her journey. She's built for it and she did amazing yet just little old me, it was still hard to, to watch her in pain and discomfort. And then with our little guy, you know, finally coming out, the whole spiritual experience, Amber surrendered, Wilder finally comes out. That was, I mean, just the happiest moment in my life, the most miraculous thing. And by far the most spiritual thing I've ever experienced, just watching this little droplet of God run down the mama bear tree into mm. the the great outdoors. So yeah, the, uh, I was in tears, Amber was in tears and again, yeah, just get choked up thinking about it. So yeah, his birth was traumatic on one hand and just the biggest miracle it could ever be. And y'all did a home birth, right? We did. We did. Like the was, granola motherfuckers that you are. Yeah, I love it. Yes. I was, messy. Yeah. Dog think, was eating the placenta. Ah, no, beautiful. No. How symbolic. It, yeah. 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 It is. It's very symbolic of <laughs> placenta eating. But yeah, the home birth, that was a very, very beautiful experience. And luckily it all worked out. We could be at home the whole, whole time. No medical snags or anything. So that was so special being able to have Wilder come out on our bed and then uh, it was the bed. best. It was the best. I, I wouldn't do it any other way. And every woman I talked to was like, would you, would you have a natural birth again? Would you do it at home? A thousand percent. I would do the same exact thing I did this time over and over again, even though it was long and it was intense. Um, uh, it was so worth it to be able to literally have him on the bed and then just get to lay there. And the whole midwife and doula team, they cleaned up everything and we were able to just lay there with him and cuddle and I, I got a meal and, you know, we just like were able to, to bond and nest there and with so much ease and grace at home where, you know, I can be in my own shower and I can have the birth tub in our, in our master bedroom and I could go outside if I wanted to, and I could do all the things that I, I wanted or needed to do. Um, and that was definitely the most intense experience of my entire life, but I would do it all over again. And, um, yeah, I was very eager to see what my body was capable of. 
and what I was capable of. And I felt, I walked away from that so empowered. So like, if I can do that, I can do, I can do, excuse me. I was going to say fucking. Wow. Well, you did. I can't. Just I can. Is it, is yep. it allowed on the podcast? Okay. Well, um, you know, maybe they'll edit it out. <laughs> no. Um, if I can do that, I can do anything. And, mm. um, so it was, yeah, it was such a huge, huge, um, powerful, uh, initiation for me. Yeah. I felt like such a great way to welcome Wilder into this world. Like we're not in a sterile hospital that we were going to be in for a day or whatever. And then we transition home. It's like, no little guy, welcome home. Mm. You're mm-hmm. already here. And the dogs were on the bed with us. I mean, it was just, yeah, so cool. it, it was very special to be able to just be in our home with a guy mm. right from the get go. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I definitely catch feels. We were there like the next day. Yeah. You guys came over. <laughs> we were the there the next, next day. And I remember sitting on the couch and I almost like kind of, I can feel my eyes burning just thinking about that moment where I was like, you literally had him inside of your body 12 hours ago. And you're like, I know. (laughs) And, and just holding him and, uh, and to see him now just continue to grow and turn into this little, this little man, you know, with his mostly bald head Mm -hmm. and to be born on such a special day to 12 12 you know feels very spiritual feels very like well it feels because it is Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know numbers hold power and we're and we're at 12 minutes whoa Whoa. jp what do you think that means well if we uh, look at the the one and the two and (laughs) the one over the two it equals three it does three is very symbolic of a trinity trinity triangle you know about well the triangle energy i don't not know about it yeah Yeah, thank you once you forgot you did know it was a lot <laughs> so the stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. So what you just heard over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 ish seconds of the banter back and forth between JP and Jordan is basically what their friendship in a nutshell is just babbling nonsense. And like what does. yeah, more or less. And then our extended group of friends, all of the guys do it. And we're, you know, I'm looking at Amber here. I'm like, we're just like, what the fuck? Yeah, can it's just, happening. Can we just move on. I get, just, it's over y'all's head. I get it. it I mean, just, it is make a decision. It. <laughs> I'd be ashamed. It's like if yeah. you were witnessing someone do advanced mathematics. There you go. I don't understand what those things mean. Yeah, it's, like, it's fine. It's fine. No, like, no, I think do the talking. <laughs> I think we understand perfectly fine. Uh, we just, we just don't do. care to listen. <laughs> Jordan, please explain. How she does well, not these high level existential ponderings are not for the faint of heart. I yeah. guess not. Okay. Yeah. And our heart is faint. Yeah. Well, <laughs> quite all the women just ignore the boys when they do this. For the most part. And we're like, so we're going to eat where, yeah. you know, or something like that. Yeah. So fuck. anyway, back to, to the birth and, I'm, I'm curious, like the ways that you viewed each other when you were in that process, I'm sure it was a very internal kind of experience, but through that, and then like, what has shifted in the way that you experienced JP mm. and yeah. like him stepping into, I am now a father, I am provider, I am husband, like adding yeah. father to that list is it holds its weighty. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Watching him be a dad is the greatest gift outside of my connection and my relationship with Wilder seeing his JP and Wilder's connection is literally my highest joy. Like I, I, even when, you know, JP takes him, he's like, I got him for two hours. So you can go do some self-care. Like there's many times where I'll be like, oh, but I just want to hang out with you guys. Cause I want to watch them together. Cause it's like literally my favorite thing. Um, two of my favorite beings in the world that I love more than anything, getting to hang out and play together. And they play really 
really beautifully together. Um, but seeing, you know, how JP has shifted, um, he's always been a, that more provider, um, let's say, um, archetype in general. But when he, when I was pregnant, it was like, it went up like an octave. And then once Wilder was born, it went up even more. And it was like, all of a sudden he's hyper protective and, you know, every little thing with Wilder, he was, um, right on. Um, but I think, you know, initially we were struggling with like, how do we share the workload? Because as a new mom, like you're breastfeeding every, every hour, every two hours, you know, a lot of it came on my shoulders and JP was like, what do I do? And like, still I, trying to figure out. I tried <laughs> breastfeeding, but the milk wasn't coming in. Uh-huh. It still hasn't. It still uh, hasn't. No biological patience between men and women. Yeah. yeah. Um, Just be patient. Wilder's not breastfeeding anymore. But he could. So stop it. (laughs) Um, But, you know, that initial first six months is like a lot of the care is on the mom. And so we were both figuring out how do we raise a baby? I've never raised a baby. I've been around a lot of kids. So I was just also trying to figure it out. But a lot of the stuff came more intuitive to me. I was more connected to Wilder. I could sense him differently. So, you know, the growth in JP, he had to learn from square, square one, like what the heck am I doing and how do I help? How do I even help if I, if, you know, Amber's breastfeeding all the time and I can change diapers, but, you know, so figuring all that out was, um, but now it's like, we're in such a great stride where, um, now that he's not breastfeeding anymore, it's like JP can do so much more and he's so much more empowered now to, and I think he feels really confident in taking care of Wilder now, but like in the beginning it was, it was challenging for both of us to figure that out. Um, and yeah, I think in general, just seeing that their bond that they have and then like how that's in, increased our bond as, as, uh, people has just been. Uh, the greatest, the greatest gift, the greatest blessing. Um, cause it's brought us closer. Like my love for JP has grown exponentially since seeing him become a dad. And I think our, our bond has grown so much, um, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And I would say similar to what Amber said about me, me seeing Amber mother wilder, that's my favorite thing in the world. It's just a beautiful experience. And, and yeah, through Amber's journey of motherhood, she's still the same person, but something new has emerged out of her. It's like this million year old instinct, wisdom, loving connection, you know, which is the mother archetype that flows through her so well. So that has just been an absolute joy to watch come through this woman who's the same woman, but now even more of a woman because this thing that wasn't online before the mother energy is now there and it's pretty spectacular. I think. A huge part of my life with Jordan is our dogs. Some of y'all may know we have a blue nose pit bull named Biggie James Smalls and a French bulldog named Little. They are quite the duo. Biggie, as Jordan likes to say, is his firstborn baby boy. And a couple of years ago, out of nowhere, I just had to have a pup of my own. The stars aligned and my baby girl Little was brought into my world. And for the record, we did not name them Big and Little on purpose. Biggie is 11 and Jordan is a huge Big Papa fan. Little is two and I tried to name her many other things, but Little she liked and Little she listened to, so Little she became. They are the source of so much joy for us. We connect with each other by taking walks around our neighborhood with the dogs. They are our favorite snuggle bugs when we are curled up on the couch with a movie. We love visiting Zilker Park in the heart of Austin and letting them run around with all the other dogs. 
Little often joins me in my office while I'm on calls. I often refer to her as the Sex and Love Co. mascot, unofficial mascot. And Jordan loves taking Biggie to swim a few times per week. We are absolutely convinced that he was a sea mammal in a past life. (laughs) As Biggie has gotten older, we've noticed that after big trips to the park or long swim sessions, he's a bit slower to move around later that day and the next day. His joints get a little stiff and sometimes are even painful. Our vet recommended we try adding pup-friendly CBD oil into his diet. I had no idea that dogs have an endocannabinoid system just like humans do. So we've recently upgraded the treat jar over here to the... CBD dog treats from Cured Nutrition. We also started adding a few drops of Cured Nutrition CBD oil to Big's food every so often to help with the discomfort in his hips and his shoulder joints due to arthritis. Uh, Little isn't left out of this either, though. She's a small dog with anxious tendencies, kind of like mother, like daughter here. So she gets a few drops when I know we'll be traveling or having an event at our house. Both of them get a little CBD when the holidays are upon us and fireworks might be going off around our neighborhood or when the weather says a thunderstorm is coming. So it's it's really quite sad to see Big saunter around the house. He's this big jacked pit bull, but his tail goes right between his legs and he can't get close enough to Jordan or I. We treat our pups like our children. We love them dearly and it's important to us to make sure that they have a great quality of life. To give Cured Nutrition a try, whether it's their pet products or their human ones, head to the link in my show notes. Not all CBD is made equal, y'all, and Cured Nutrition is literally as good as it gets when it comes to ingredients and, of course, high-quality, full, and broad-spectrum CBD. We are incredibly considerate when it comes to choosing what goes in our bodies as well as our pups. It's our plan for every member of our family to live a long healthy, happy, and pleasurable life. Check the show notes for more info and make sure to use the code thatsexchick, all one word, for 10% off your order of items not already a part of discounted bundles. Mm, mm, mm. Yummy. Stuff to look forward to, huh, babe? Ah, yes. And... Y'all pregnant right now? Do you want that? <laughs> well, I didn't want to announce it here, but since you brought it up, no, we're not no, pregnant. No, we're not. Be the one. Yeah. Yes, please. So when's it due? I mean, you. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense, right? You married us, and so you would be the one that would announce it for wow. us. Oh, absolutely. Like insist on uh, delivering the baby. Yeah. Great. Your wish is my command, oh, dear gosh. brother officiant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nope. We still have some time. Yep. We, yeah, we have some, some boxes we want to check for our relationship before we go in to do it, but I am curious. It's creeping ever nearer. Yeah. To, I'm curious in you hearing that. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that came up for you? Any pieces and parts that were very inspiring or that you hated? <laughs> uh, the idea that, and we've had, we're fortunate to have close friends that are in this energy. They've either just had babies or having another baby. They're about to. It's So it's very present. And seeing how everybody navigates it, the similarities, the differences, uh, I feel yeah, so grateful and inspired and empowered that I'm not alone, um, certainly with you, Babeski, but also with our friends and the council, our men's groups. And I feel like... Yeah, in some ways I'm terrified and I'm like, oh my, I'm, I can't do this. I'm not ready to be a dad. I'm still a boy in some ways, you know? Um, but at the same time, when I hear that, 
I feel like, oh yeah, I got this. I'm not going to have it super figured out. And it'll probably in the beginning in particular, feel really clunky. Like, how do I do this? What do I do to help? Um, but I have so much faith that we'll be just fine. Mm. Well, that feels good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, it, it kind of amplifies what was already there. And I think the, the things that we know about each other, I imagine it's just kind of sad and funny to think like you'll be extra, maybe extra present, but also extra silly, extra light, extra, you know, the way that you are. And like, I just imagine, you know, that scene from the movie nine, I think it's called nine months where the praying mantis rips the head off of the, of the, the mom praying mantis mm -hmm. gets mated with, right? The female yep. gets mated with, with the man and she turns around and rips his head off. That's, that's how, that's movie? how that happens. No, no. <laughs> it's a scene in the movie. Oh. It's a scene in the movie. I'm just like, <laughs> I hope I don't rip your head off. You're like, right. you give me, Wouldn't give me what I you. want a baby. And then I just, yep. there you go. We're done. That's it. We're Scram. done. Yeah. Um, so if you were going to kill Jordan, how would, how would you do it? <laughs> like if you had to, I mean, I joke, I joke and say like my weapon of choice is a, is an enjoy is a, what? which is an is enjoy, which oh, is okay. a anal thing. It could be, it could be, yeah, it could be. It was originally an anal thing. Ah, uh, fun fact. But now it is a, a clitoral urethral vaginal complex toy. Sounds wow. Very complex. Very scientific. Urethral sponge. Yeah, I am still not convinced that women have urethras. There's this whole oh. alleged three-hole theory. Yeah, I don't buy into it because my eyes only see two holes. Feels like oh, propaganda. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. great. Fake hole flatter theory. Conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Something yeah. I wanted to double-click on that I just sort of a practical technical piece is you referenced a doula and a midwife. Can you speak yeah, to that a little bit? Cause sure. I know for me, that's definitely something that we're interested in. A lot of our yeah. friends are doing is emerging as I was going to say new school, but it's actually totally oh old goodness. school, but Absolutely. it's bringing it back. Before Western ways. medicine yeah. came and made a business out of birthing. Absolutely. Yeah. This is Amen. where, what it sort of looked like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the midwife model is, um, is unbelievable. I was, I was so excited to experience it. And I think, um, I have not had an OBGYN experience, so I can't really relate it, but what I've read about that experience and talking to other moms and reading online and stuff, um, the midwife model is so much more, I would say, and of course this depends on your midwife and depends on your OBGYN. And, you know, you might have a really great OBGYN who, who follows this model, but typically with the, with the midwife model, you are meeting with your midwife, like every couple of weeks during your journey. And so um, our midwife, Monica Stone, based here in Austin, you know, I met with her for an hour every two or three weeks or so, depending on where I was in my pregnancy and it got, you know, more consistent every week I'd see her as I got later in my pregnancy. But having that mental and emotional support during the journey was so important for me because I was going through a lot of um, identity shifts and I was, I was grieving this, the, my former self a lot during that process. And so having her support, um, whereas like an OBGYN, you kind of, they kind of just check in, they do like, they check the baby, they check you and they're like, great. And, and you're out, you know, it's like a short, as many of y'all have experienced in Western medicine, it's a short brief encounter with your, with your OBGYN or your physician or whoever it is. And then you're out and it's, you kind of just feel like you're a number or you're just like one cattle and a, and a herd of cattle. Um, and you're just in a system. Whereas like the midwife model is so much more hands-on. It feels so much more supportive and like you have a coach the whole time. And then the doula experience, um, I had a doula during the birth to support me. So the doula is meant to support the 
the woman during her labor process. So she's actually the first one on the scene and the midwife comes later to help deliver the baby, but she's the first one to like help you get into different positions and breathe with you and, you know, play music for you and just do like the things that you're wanting to have happen during the birth. So she's really there for like mental, emotional and physical support. Um, but the midwife is really there for the, for the birth of the baby. Um, and so Ariana, who is my midwife or excuse me, my doula, she came like within a couple hours of me having contractions and she was with me the whole time. Um, and that was just invaluable. And like a postpartum doula is someone who comes to help you with the baby after the birth. And that is also invaluable. And if you, any woman who's listening, if you're, you know, on the fence about deciding whether you want to do that or not a thousand percent. Yes. Um, because after the birth, you're trying to heal your, your body is just, you've been through such a huge journey, especially if you've had a natural uh, birth. Um, you know, you, it might take you weeks, months to heal from the birth. Every woman's really different. And so you need support. And especially if your husband has never had a baby before, like you, you definitely need, need, need someone who's experienced, who knows what, what's up, like how to take care of a baby. I'd never really changed a diaper before, you know, or I didn't know, even know how to hold him the right way, you know? So, or there's not really a right way, but I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know like the way to breastfeed. So anyway, the midwife and doula are there to help you with that. Right. So this is how you latch a baby for breastfeeding. This is how you, um, you know, this is the easy way to change their clothes. This is like, like all the little stuff that you don't think is, is going to be like potentially a problem until you're in it. And you're like, wait, I don't want to hurt the baby. How do I put clothes on it? Like, you know, it's just, it's, you don't think about it until you're in it. So, um, it's just invaluable. And for anybody, um, wondering, I, I, I would do just lots of research, watch lots of documentaries, learn more about how Western medicine has really, um, made birthing a business, unfortunately. And there's a lot of, um, interventions and things that happen in a hospital setting that are just not always necessary. And I really wanted to avoid a lot of that. And the documentary, so the business of being born. Yeah. yeah good so good. Get a really good glimpse one. into one route, the kind of yeah. like the, the business route of being born. And then, yeah. you know, our experience with a midwife and doula was that's not the business of being born track. That's more like the spiritual experience of mm. being born, mm. um, kind of like the sacred route, which Obviously not everybody can do that if there's complications or if you have to transfer to the hospital, like don't be an idiot, do yeah. that. But that, that documentary, the business of being born shows one way it can be done yeah. and it's a business model, not a sacred experience model. Yeah. And I, and I think in general, you know, our midwife had 20 years of experience working with I have no idea how many women she's worked with. Just three over 20 years. Um, But, but, you know, her experience is so vast. She was able to do certain things within my, my birth process um, that a normal OBGYN or normal doctor at a, you know, Western hospital would never do. They would just say like, Hey, we need to take you to go have a C-section. Like this is just, it's just too risky or it's too, Mm -hmm. they're too concerned about their liability um, in terms of doing specific things. So she was able to help me through a couple challenges in my, in my birth or in Wilder's birth, (laughs) um, to that, that I just don't think I would have had access to. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had that support or that knowledge and that skill set. Um, natural births are, you know, that's her specialty. So she knows how to navigate them in a way that Western doctors don't. Hello, love bugs. Brinsky here. And I'm here to talk to you about codependency. (laughs) Now, some of you know that I ended a 10-year relationship to break my codependency and to really heal my limiting beliefs and the way that I was operating in my marriage. But I'm here to talk to you about a different codependency. This is my codependency with coffee and how that relationship has just gotten a little out of hand lately, where I was getting up to two lattes a day 
not only is it fucking expensive, um, it's not good for my hormones, my health, my anxiety. And I watched Lex try it and love it. And so I said, okay, I'm ready to make the switch too. I've made the switch and y'all, I absolutely love it. Everyday Dose is an incredible coffee alternative. It has got one third of the caffeine of coffee, but it's loaded with all of these incredible ingredients like mushrooms and collagen and nootropics. And just by switching from coffee to Everyday Dose, I have noticed such an increase in my mood. I feel happier, less anxious. My energy is way more stable. I'm not having those crazy afternoon crashes. And I'm also not codependent on this beverage that I have to have in the morning or else I can't function because I hated that. I hated being so reliant on something. And so, um, I'm so grateful that I made that switch. And if you were looking to break your codependency too, then I invite you to check it out, to try it. When you use the code that sex chick, you get 20% off an already discounted starter kit, which takes it up to, I think 65% off your first order, which makes it so freaking affordable y'all. Um, there's literally no risk to try it. And if you decide that you don't like it, they literally give you your money back, but I love everyday dose. I imagine you will too. And so I encourage you to give it a try. Let us know how you like it and break that codependency once and for all. Now back to today's show. Yeah, Yeah. it's very powerful. And I know we've had a couple of people in our kind of extended community wind up needing to eventually go get a C-section. Like it just goes, get, it goes past the point and then, you know, and they're in a range and I can imagine the difficult decision if they had a plan for one thing and then it winds up turning into another thing. And I think already having the decision to do the midwife and the doula and all of that, and then making the transition to the hospital. I also think that that support in the, you did everything that you could and you did everything right. Absolutely. And this, we're going to bring your baby to you. You know what I mean? And so it, it just feels like even for those that wind up having to have for whatever the reason, the, the alternative option, um, I think, I even think that support system there and, and like, you're going to get hooked up to a bunch of things and it's going to feel maybe kind of scary and, you know, and, and it's just another, um, person to hold the hand, you know, cause the husband is kind of like, I don't know. They're you not know? in a good place. Like, no, maybe, no. possibly. Is that blood? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> totally. They're, they're not, they're not in a ground. Yeah. <laughs> so they really can then like doula that experience, you know, in the transition from the home into the hospital and then post C-section, you know, it's like, you, I mean, I think post vaginal delivery and post C-section, it's don't go up and down stairs. And like some people have stairs in their home and stairs to get in and out of their home and like all of those things. And, um, and, and those people are healing from major surgery, having like their baby cut out of them. And so I'm also sharing, like, I I know that there is an, is a way, even in this conversation that if you wind up or if you're, if you're listening and you had an experience that was, you know, it just didn't go the way that you'd planned. Um, or you, or you're like me, cause I'm listening to this. I'm like, who knows my mom, two C-sections, my sister, two C-sections but they were also told there was breaches. So sure. breached baby. And now we've just, we've had a friend very recently that gave birth, that baby was breached and they were able without manipulating or maneuvering the baby with acupuncture and burning certain herbs and, and placing certain oils yeah. were able to get the baby to turn all the way around. That's yeah, wild. Isn't that amazing. wild? Isn't that fucking crazy? Yeah. But then I say that maybe to, to like a Western doctor or whatever. And they're like, it's a hoax. 
it isn't real. And I'm just, I've just learned at this point to question everything. And then, and then at the same time, like be skeptical and then ask myself, like my body and like, how, how can I listen to how my body reacts to the information that I'm given? And so I am hoping that like between our friends telling me how their experience has gone and uh, probably as we continue to be public with our experience, a bunch of strangers telling me what I should and shouldn't do. Uh, oh, no, yes, I love it when be. strangers should on me. That feels so good. There will be lots of opinions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because, because the thing is that it's people all over the world yes. across ethnicities and race and religion or faith and just all, all the people are experiencing challenges typically in relationships and sex or they're experiencing not even just challenges, just it's a very universal thing to go through of like relationships. And it's also a very universal thing is bringing children into the world. And so a lot of people are qualified in their various ways on their own experience to share on their, based on their own experiences. Um, And so, yeah, out of all of it, I remain hopeful and excited. And I'm, I'm hoping that as we even get closer, I, I turn up the volume for certain people in my life and I turn down the volume for others that may be in my, in my life. And I think that Jordan and I have done a a pretty good job, um, of our, our, I'll speak a little bit here, our energetic field and who we attract to us, Uh, especially our audiences and online and everything Mm -hmm. that most people are from a place of love. Um, so yeah, I mean, just to kind of share my experience sharing online, our journey, our pregnancy journey, my pregnancy journey, and then, you know, postpartum. I have experienced unbelievable amount of positive support from women all over the world who have commented, shared, shared. I mean, I bring one challenge I'm having and I am inundated with hundreds of DMs from moms all over the world who are saying, try this, try this, try this. I mean, the support is unbelievable. And so I I would just, um, as much as you, you might be concerned about negative feedback or whatever, the, the amount of positive feedback you'll get. There's so many women who've gone through the journey multiple times and are more than happy to share their wisdom. And I think leaning on that is, was really, really helpful for me because I didn't feel alone in my journey. I felt like, wow, there are thousands of women around the world who've experienced just what I'm experiencing. And they're having this challenge with their baby, just like I am. And I'm, they're having this challenge with their body, just like I am. And and it just makes you feel like, okay, like we got this. Mm. So good. So how much hotter mm. is Amber since you watched her birth the baby? Yeah, I'd say three times hotter. Yeah. Great. She was Technically very, speaking. She was very hot to begin with. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it is, uh, I've, I've said, and I'll continue saying that watching Amber give birth was the most powerful expression of a human being I've ever seen. So yeah, it's very, very sexy and intriguing and impressive in so many ways. And then the continued mothering, there's something as the dad and husband that is activated in me when I watch her be so amazing with Wilder, like that activates me. So yeah, she's gotten hotter. Mm, So I'm curious, like when I know that there's like a six weeks post delivery that they're like, don't they, the proverbial they that gives instruction based off of post birth is, um, don't work out and no sex and no dot, 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 dot. So how did you know it was time or it was right to start engaging sexually again? Like where did you prioritize intimacy on a different level in that 
six-ish weeks? Like, how is that? Because some people are really challenged by that time. Like, my body feels so foreign. Like, there's just can potential for resentment and like feeling, you know, certain people can feel like they have so much of the burden on them. It's typically the mom because their body is literally, you know, if they are breastfeeding, then their body is literally a food bank. So it's yeah. like, there's there's so, so much. And for some people, they, you know, moms will look at their body and they're like, I don't even recognize myself. And yeah. how do I then feel sexy? And then I have a husband who like, they're trying not to put pressure on me, but they're also a little bit sexually frustrated now. And oh, so yeah. like, there's a lot to deal with. So I'm curious how y'all dealt with that. Yeah. Well, I was ready much sooner than six weeks. <laughs> I was, I was very ready. I you recovered were... quickly. <laughs> on the other hand, she took a while. <laughs> yeah. Jake was like, so, uh, how you feeling, babe? Like, I think in like four weeks, it's like, how you feeling down there? Like, uh, like, are, are you interested at all? And so it, it took me they, they recommend you don't try to have sex like for the first six weeks, just so you can heal. And I, I luckily only tore a little bit during my birth. So there was not a lot of damage down there. I actually felt quite normal afterward. I didn't feel like there was a big disruption or, or just like, I didn't feel like super, super different, um, down in that region. And I also, what, uh, what region, <laughs> the vaginal region, babe, do you want me more specific yeah, or that down, yes, vaginal. Vaginal. Mm-hmm. how do you spell that next to the, uh, Midwest region, of, uh, <laughs> the Southernly, oh, okay. yeah, the Southernly province. Actual. Yeah. <sighs> yes. Um, so you didn't feel much different. So I didn't feel much different. And so I was, I was, um, but I was also kind of afraid because I, I do know like your hormones shift a lot. So you're, you're often, um, most women are very dry down there. Everything yeah. changes, uh, hormonally. And so, um, yeah, it took us, I think we tried on like the six week mark or maybe we tried a little bit earlier and it was a little bit too painful. It was just like, yeah, just, I was still healing. So I think we waited another like two weeks or so. I don't really remember the exact timing, but, um, and then at that point, like I could still feel a little bit of the, the, um, uh, the the scar healing and things like that, but it was, it was enough, it was enough. Like it wasn't bad enough that we, we stopped. It was just like, let's keep, let's keep going. So, um, but I will say that I think, you know, the challenge for a woman is that her hormones have shifted a lot. She's now breastfeeding if you're breastfeeding. And with that comes uh, a low libido oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Well, your body is literally saying, don't make another one. We can't handle it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And the yeah. hormones that make breast milk are very distinct and and they do actually change your libido. And I didn't know that until I was in it. And I was like, why do I have like literally no sex drive at all? Well, you're also, you also have something sucking on your, on your breasts, like around the clock. And so your breasts become, and your body just becomes like, it's, it's oh, like a utility almost. It's not, it's actually, it's like a machine. It doesn't feel like it's yours anymore because mm-hmm. you're constantly giving it to something else. And so then the thought of giving it to someone else, like your husband, it, it you, you become touched out, which is a term that I learned from a, a doula friend of mine, which is that you're just, you're so overly touched by your baby. You're constantly holding them. They're constantly sucking on you that you just don't feel turned on by that. Um, also when you're breastfeeding, you get a, a hit of oxytocin. And so, um, you are getting these like love chemicals all the time with your baby. So then it's like, but there, it's not there with your husband because it's there with your baby. So it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic as a woman to deal with. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, we kept our, our sex life, I think pretty consistent over the last year. Um, and it, it, for me, it wasn't like I was, my libido wasn't really high. So it was kind of like, it didn't feel like a chore, but it just felt like it was something that we had, we needed to do to keep our connection strong, but it wasn't something that I was craving, let's say, because my libido was still weird. So how did that feel to navigate that? I mean, I I imagine that you spoke on some level, like about what was going on. Like there was like perspective. How did it feel navigating 
that terrain? Yeah, I think that like the first six or eight weeks was the easiest. I mean, there was sexual frustration in me, but it was mixed with a very strong understanding of other, like there's literally healing going on. So my expectation for sex was zero. So you jerked off a lot during that time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 We did in each other's company. <laughs> You went there. Okay. Uh, So the fact that there wasn't an expectation for sex, even though I still had obviously my sex drive, it just made it much easier. But then after Amber was healed and her libido would sometimes be very non-existent. Yeah. That that was very frustrating for Mm -hmm. me. And yeah, at times I would be, yeah, very like not just sexually frustrated, but now it's getting misdirected into like just relationship frustration. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, she's bitching at me. I'm not meeting her needs. I'm like, well, you're fucking not me- meeting any of my needs. And, and, uh, great that we were working with Annie as mm-hmm. our relationship coach. Yeah. And I think the, we certainly weren't perfect far from it, but the more we would communicate just openly and honestly, like, Oh, like, we haven't had sex in two weeks and like, here's what that means to me. That definitely helped us do better, helped us relieve it. And when we weren't communicating and it was just bottled up, that was certainly um, not helpful. And you've, you've referenced, or y'all have referenced now a couple of people you referenced, or you mentioned Oriana a little while ago, and now y'all have spoken about Annie a couple of times. So both of them have been on the podcast before. Yeah. We've had Oriana right now. Or are you hiding them? Dude, you're on it right now. Okay. 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 Now that we're clear. Previous episodes. That identifies me right now. Right. Previous. I don't know if y'all know this, but we did an, We did a, a session with Annie. We recorded it. And oh, that great. was that was the episode. Oh. Yeah, it was a live coaching session where she coached us and we yeah. put on the podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We went on Zoom instead of our regular call and just hit record. And that was the that was the episode. So amazing. For those that are listening, you can go back to an episode that's got Annie Lala on it. She's like the tribe relationship coach like she's all of us amazing. would be falling apart without her yeah she's a the relationship percent. shaman yes yes i recommend everybody to her I yeah she's she's it's her gift absolutely yeah. for sure dharma. her yeah. dharma for, for sure. sure so i've loved getting a glimpse on the behind the scenes of how that stuff works and i know like i i am a sex coach and we have a company that does all sex love and relationship coaching and my work and my world that I have crafted is a giant mirror. Like it's created with bunches of mirrors that are reflecting when I'm not walking my talk, when I'm not, when I'm not in integrity or I'm making suggestions or I'm helping people with some, with a thing that I am not willing to help myself with. And so I'm, it's constantly right there for me. And there are these times and Jordan and I were just talking about this not that long ago. Actually, I think it was yesterday where I talk about certain things so much that I perceive the story that I've told myself is that, or like the ego is you don't have shame around that thing because you teach others about it. But then when I'm in the situation and then I choose not to do the thing, I'm now starting to realize that there are certain buckets of things that I am holding back or that I am not expressing. And so there actually is some shame or some fear of rejection or something in that, because it's like, oh, maybe I learned this about myself, but but now I have a husband and what will my husband think? And well, he's never seen me in that light or in that way before, how can I bring that to him now? And it's just, 
I'm noticing as time goes by, uh, that in my, in my mind, I'm like, Oh, you're such a clever little fuck, Alexa. Like you wiggle your way, you know? And, uh, it's, um, I'm sure that as we continue our journey and it's of course impossible for me to like predict how it's going to go. But I do think on some level being prepared for all of the multitude of ways that it can go as far as our intimacy is concerned. And, you know, having conversations like, hey, we're not even trying to conceive right now. Well, I mean, we practice, but we're not Lots trying to conceive. Practice makes perfect. Right. Heard it said. Right. So we we're not even on the conception journey yet. And it's like, how, like, let's have conversations, have a glass of wine, let's sit down. And how do you think we'll handle it? How do you want to handle it? What feels like it's the most reasonable? What if I am insert this emotion, insert this medical thing I'm trying to heal from insert whatever, so that we can have a nice foundation of, Oh, we've already spoken about this. Yeah. Like, oh, she's mentioned, but then it also gives me an opportunity to say, well, I know I said this, but now that I'm in it, I actually mean this. And so, um, we're, we're gathering information and I say we, cause we really are gathering information, but that's more my style. Sure. Um, Jordan's just kind of like, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Let's do it. You know? And I'm just like, I need this step-by-step process like for this uh, whole thing. Maybe possibly I don't have control issues. <laughs> I think that's smart. It's like a, a pilot. That, you know, they have their pre-flight plan and any pilot will modify that pre-flight plan based on what comes up in the reality of the moment. But they've got the pre-flight plan, which helps keep them prepared for what they expect, different situations. And then they have a basis to modify from if they need to. And, and I think that's what you're doing. And so I think that's smart. Thanks. I want you to know that I'm very turned on by you right now. Yeah. And I want to impregnate you after they leave. Oh, or, or even before. <laughs> at the very least, I'm going to make sweet, sweet love to you. Today, oh. at Today. some point. Great. Yep. I, it's impossible to impregnate me. So, well, and you know that possible. because you track my cycle. It's true. Like a great husband man. Yeah. So you know that that's not possible right now. I have a fun, comfortable question to ask y'all. Oh. So this is kind of another practical, technical one, I suppose. Uh, circumcision. I would love to hear y'all's perspective on circumcision with your baby boy. Yeah. yeah for us, it was, he, he's not circumcised and it was never even a consideration to get him circumcised. Yeah. And not we, in any way that never even crossed our minds. Yeah. yeah. And we don't come from a religious tradition where that's a thing for us, where it would either be common practice to do it or a big deal to decide to opt out of that. But we looked at it just like, yeah, this doesn't make sense to us. And then having our little boy in the flesh, I, and no judgment towards parents who decide that's what they want to do, but I 100% could not imagine anything cutting into the flesh of this tender little being that, that would so violate my protector instincts. I would not allow that to happen with my son. So yeah, we were 100% yeah. on board of not doing circumcision from the get-go. Yeah, and I, I was most concerned about potential trauma that that instills in a baby, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, at that young age. Um, I did some re- some research on it, and I'd heard from other parents, and I, I just had this this inherent knowing that like that is quite traumatic, and that could potentially, we don't know what type of trauma that does to men um, at such a young age. They're so fragile and they're so new to the world. We have no idea how that affects men down the line. 
And for me, I wasn't willing to take that risk. And I was like, you know what? His, um, his body is born naturally this way for a reason. And uh, I don't think that the universe makes anything that imperfect that it needs to be cut off at yeah. birth. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I felt like it just didn't make sense to us uh, at that point for our son to for sure. experience that. I'd say we feel pretty much, I was going to say very similarly, but I mean, I think yeah. we, we agree. Yeah. For us in the future, which we don't know. Yeah. And there's, I'd heard talks of this concept, like I'm circumcised. I think you are too, right? Oh, you know yeah. I am. I do know that. <laughs> it's true. I do know that. You too fuck. <laughs> and it's, it's so interesting because I remember when I was a teenager, it was very small amount of people were intact. I don't even use the word uncircumcised anymore. Same intact yes, is, yes. is the reframe there. And it was actually a point of shame for them. And I'm yeah. one of my best friends in high school. It like came out in our friend group when we were, I think sophomores that he was intact and he had so much shame around it that at 16 years old, he got circumcised and wow. it was like a really challenging, painful, awkward experience. Um, and I look back and I'm just like, wow, how unfortunate there were just so many cultural conditioning and judgments at play. Yeah. And, you know, I'm torn because on the one hand, I wish I was intact now that I know, and I've done a lot of research and we watched a documentary about this. It blew my mind. Guy we know personally who y'all have met too, Brandon. Um, how do you say his last name? Moreno? Moroda. Moroda. Uh, American Circumcision. Highly recommend checking out. And admittedly, it's, it's biased. It's, it's biased and it's but also, uh, kind like of you, intense. Yeah, it's intense. It's biased. And also you listen to it and you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'll trigger yeah. something in you. Yeah. At the very least, curiosity and some sadness, probably. Yeah. I and cried immediately. Yeah. I started crying immediately. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they just positioned it as a little baby has just been born and then they don't show the actual baby. They just like show, I think the little cart that they get brought into, you know, a different area. And then it shows the contraption that they get strapped to. And then it shows the door closing and you just hear the blood curdling cry, like the pain, like a baby in pain cry. And it just shows it as the door closes. And I'm not a mom. I'm, I, I just, everything about the situation just immediately took over my body, like broke into sweat and just immediately started crying. As soon as I saw the whole thing, I I mean, he knew what he was doing cinematographically. Ah. Cinematically? Yes, Cinematically, sure. Videographically. Uh, <laughs> making it better. Um, but yeah, like it was very dramatic. And at the same time, like I think any any person can hear that kind of cry and just feel like, fuck, like yeah. that's really yeah. intense. My biggest advice to parents isn't like do this or do that. It's really make up your minds consciously what you want to do and not want to do, whether it's circumcision, vaccination, home birth, hospital birth. To me, uh, having a child, it's God asking us to be the steward of this beautiful, innocent, helpless soul. And I th- I think they deserve better than for parents to say, well, I'm doing this because that's just what you do. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't care what you do, but please just consciously choose what mm-hmm. you're going to do. Understand the why. Yeah. You know, if you've got cool, this is why we're circumcising, why we're vaccinating or not vaccinated, not circum- whatever you're choosing. I think it's the parents they're doing the, themselves a great service yeah. to make up their own minds, not just do things because their parents did or rebelling against something, but know why you're doing it, what you're doing and make your own choices. Yeah. And I think to really honor that visceral response that you had, Lex, like, and I think 
I don't know, but I, cause we didn't experience it, but I imagine parents are not present for that experience for their baby mm. because women would have that response that you just had, mm. you just shared. And I think it's important that we listen to our intuition and our hearts and our physical reactions to things. Same reason why, like, I can't go hunt and kill an animal and eat it. Like I have the same very visceral reaction. So I honor that, but I think it's important that we honor those feelings because they're going to come up a lot in parenthood. And that's how we learn mm. and know like, oh, this isn't aligned with me. Like this isn't something that I want to be doing to my mm. child. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You, you touched on a couple of things and just describing how you felt and the decision-making process and all of that, that are not, I would say common. And, you know, I think back and, and just kind of like paint a picture point of reference. I South Louisiana, which I know you're small town, Ohio, you small town, Ohio as well in Santa Cruz. But, um, so maybe it's a little bit different what you experience in Santa Cruz in comparison to these other places. But, um, I have people in my world and I'm pretty sure we all do that literally only do whatever the doctor says. They literally it's, and you know, I, I might ask a question like what went into your decision and it's, well, my husband is circumcised. So, oh, you know what my little boy to also be like, be like their dad. I'm like, what kind of fucking response is that? It's so strange <laughs> to me, to me, to me. Yeah, right. Weird, weird, or yeah. they're like, well, the doctor says, or they're like, or even doctors in a sense, sometimes coerce where they're like, yes. this is just the, this is just what we do. It's like, the okay. Yes. It's his, the checklist. Yeah. And they're just like, Oh, okay. Without doing any of that research. And I understand that people are doing the best that they can with what they have been provided and what they are willing to open up to and, and all of that. And at this point I'm starting to get frustrated with people at times. Cause almost everybody that, that I know has a fucking smartphone. So you get yes. to choose what you absorb yes. with that smartphone. You can play candy crush and eat potato chips and ignore all, you know, just ignore all of the opportunity for greater knowledge and greater wisdom and connection to self, or you can choose the opposite of that, which is not the easy route. Mm-hmm. And it's actually deciding for yourself what you stand for. Get him, baby. And, Mom. and, and that's so powerful. Never in my life have I really just felt you know, since really since discovering the power of learning about sexuality, like that's when I, I would say I felt the first wave of there's more and well in personal development, sure. But really in sexuality too, like there's just so much more available to me than like the boxes and stuff that, that I, that I was positioned in as I was growing up and, and the, the feeling of I'm, I feel so empowered and I know who I am. And I know what I stand for. And I also have grace and give myself permission to change my mind. And I'm so willing, like we, we talk about our friends. We want like hearted versus like-minded. Granted, we do have a lot of close friends that are like-minded in a lot of ways too, but we still are open to questioning each other. And I think, you know, you expand our friends on, on a spectrum and, you know, on different, on a variety of subjects and topics, then we're kind of all over a spectrum, so to speak, but all of us are willing to do the work that is required in order to say like, who am I in, in the midst of whatever the situation is, whatever the topic is, and what do I really truly stand for? Or has the confidence to say, I'm not sure yet. And I'm gathering information. Um, and so kind of looping it back around to some of the things that y'all touched on, like whether it's circumcision or vaccination or whatever, those things are, are challenging. And especially in the world today, saying some of those things, like as soon as Jordan brought it up, I immediately was like, I might cut this. I noticed that. I actually made a note. We were at 44 minutes and I made a note to go and re-listen and to make sure that all of that was okay. Yeah. So that 
like to, to feel how I, I, yeah, to like, just be with it to decide if it really does get to go out there. Cause it's charged. And at the same time, I'm willing to just like, I'm willing to push my edges in, in sex and in our relationship. I'm willing to push my edges with how much I share publicly and my views and my stances. Cause I really do believe, right. If you're, if you're choosing to figure out where you are in the midst of it and what you actually stand for, then I fucking respect you. I respect you as a human. And if you're babbling off some shit that's parroted from whoever, and it's not based in your truth and your authenticity, then I just don't have time for you right in my life right now. And at the same time, I would still take time with you. Like it's really, it's a really interesting paradox of sorts. Um, but anyway, I would love to hear before we round out our time together, I would love to hear what controversy and standing in your truth, each of you, what that has been like over the last couple of years since lockdown, since just the, the current, I just kind of put it all into one uh, phrase, current mainstream narrative, (laughs) which like kind of addresses everything and also kind of makes it vague. So you're both very public and very, this is what I stand for. How has being that way and making a commitment to being that way impacted you on an individual level and your relationship? Cause I imagine holding the line, especially in relationship or like, and as while you continue to gain notoriety, followers, listeners, and continue to grow, and then also gaining notoriety and listeners and eyes that are let's say opposition or counter, I can only imagine what that does for intimacy, what that does for the unity in your relationship. So that's really the subject that I would love to, to end us on. Um, You want to bat lead off, baby? Sure. Yeah. You know, the last couple of years has been, it's been very clear to JP and I that we are like where we are, where we align. Him and I aligned so much on so many topics and subjects. And I'm so grateful because I imagine in other relationships where, you know, one person might be very much in alignment with the mainstream narrative and someone might be very against it, that can cause a lot of problems in a interpersonal relationship like this, in a marriage, in, in a family. I mean, that's what we've seen. That's the, that's the saddest part, I think, of what's happening right now is it's divided families um, and broken up, you know, these bonds that we've had with family members, with friends, people have lost friends, family members. It's just been really, really sad. And I'm really grateful that JP and I have we do align in that way and we do support each other a thousand percent in authentically speaking our truth, even if we don't agree with it. Right. So a lot of people ask me like, what is it like being JP's wife? <laughs> and yes, I have my it's own very pleasure. like, it's her <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I have my own like very strong opinions <laughs> on things and I'm very vocal online and I am just very unapologetic about the things that I, I share and the, in my opinions and my stances. And I will always be that way. And I think that's something that JP really loves about me. And that's something I really love about him. But, um, I have personally taken a lot of arrows from JP's following. He's got a much larger following than me, as you guys all know. And he's, um, just has a much, a much more, uh, intense reach. And he also has a lot more haters and trolls and people that come after him online. And so I've taken a lot of arrows for him over the years and I'm a thousand percent okay with it. And I would do it over and over and over again. And I'll continue to do it as he grows and expands and gets bigger and bigger in the world because I a thousand percent support him and everything that he's saying, even if I don't always agree with it a thousand percent, like I support his need 
to express himself creatively and, and to share his stance and to, to do it at the highest level that he's doing it. And I'm just so proud of him for everything he's been doing and sharing. Um, I couldn't be more proud of how he's showing up and how he's holding the line for not just our family, but for millions of people that that follow him. Um, and so, yeah, I, I've just, um, I'm going to end there so you can add JP, but that's a a small piece. Yeah. I think one of the greatest catalysts for intimacy is sharing values. You know, we're living in a culture where there's this Marxism that tries to get people to uh, connect over the most superficial norms. Like we're, we're living in a culture where they teach critical race theory that programs, for example, white children to think they're inherently evil because of their skin color and tells black children, you'll never amount to anything because of your skin color. But that's in complete opposition to what Martin Luther King Jr. preached, which was don't judge a person based on the color of their skin, judge a person based on the content of their character. And our values come from the content of our character. They don't come from superficial aspects of a person. So when a couple can relate based on values, then there's a great catalyst to intimacy there. And the past couple of years, Amber and I, you know, as the world's changed, we've had the challenge, but also the pleasure to learn about what our values actually are because our cool freedoms are being taken away. Didn't know it, but freedom is our number one value. We didn't have to know it before. The world was easy, but now we do know it. So I think knowing that mission, that shared value, it allows Amber and I to be much more deeply connected rather than connecting on like, well, we like the same color couch and we like (laughs) to eat at the same place. That's superficial stuff. That's metaphorically skin color. It's like, that's not, we want to choose people based on the depth of character and the, the color of our souls and what the color of our souls means. Wh- what do we stand for? And so standing for freedom has been a, a beautiful thing. And, and I would dare say for our relationship, I would guess this works for other relationships, but if you can together stand for something more than just yourselves and your relationships, but your relationship stands for something far greater than you, uh, then I think that's a recipe for success in a relationship. And together, Amber and I stand for something far greater than us, which is freedom. And not only for our family, our child and our grandchildren, but for the world around us. So uh, Tony Robbins has a thought that says to be successful, contribute to a better world around you. And I, I think in a relationship, if we can stand for something that contributes to a better world around us, that means we're kind of in a way transcending our relationship is just for our relationship. Our relationship gets to stand for something bigger. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, for whatever reason, JP and I have felt very lit up by what's been happening over the last two years. It's felt like we were born for this. And built for it. And I'm really grateful I get to share it with you. Me too. You made Amber cry. Thanks. Does that, is, am I good or yeah, is that good. a bad it's thing? a good thing. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, as I think it's safe to say some of your closest friends, <laughs> you know, as some of your closest friends, um, 
of course, the the impact that it has on us. And for even for myself, like getting to see you both stand and also, like I mentioned a little while ago when I went on my little riff, bringing our subject matters together, um, the, the permission and the grace to change your mind. It has been so incredible to be your friends and to have this front row seat, um, to your development in all of this and like your connection to freedom and watching the strength and all of that. And then also at times, you know, going deep with you, Amber, and seeing like it on the outside and on the surface looks like rah, 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 warrior. I've got this. I'm so strong. And then underneath that is deep fear of if I don't do this, what, what am I just allowing to happen in the world? And I cannot. And this fear of like, like, I'm really fucking afraid that the world is just, you know, to use a, f- a phrase from back home, hell in a handbasket. <laughs> and I will not, I cannot stand for that. And I'm, and I am fearful of like, if it's happening, regardless of if I'm standing up for it and like, just, just it's a, it's a lot of feels. It is. Yeah. Um, and then also watching you come out with certain content over the years and then shifting your perspective or changing your mind. Cause it's happened on a few, uh, you know, topics or subjects okay. that you've decided to, you've gotten more information, change the way that you feel about it and then have been public about that. And that's so admirable as someone else who in my own little corner of the internet is very open and honest and will divulge pretty much anything and everything. Just watching, having the example is refreshing. It feels calming. It, it, I wind up feeling like I, I do have permission. I can share anything because I am confident that if I change my mind, I'm confident with how I will handle it because I can see, I have modeled for me ways that it has been, um, handled in a way that I'm like, I really respect that. So thank you both for, for what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything, babe? I have so many things, but <laughs> I'll just summarize it. And I love you both so much. I'm so inspired by you and thank you for being my best friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's a joy. So to round us out, I would love messages. If you have, you know, what's on your heart right now with what's going like, like what's going on in your world and in the world, what's most important to you? what's on your heart. And you know, that could, you know, we, we've spoken for a little over an hour here about sex and relationships and intimacy and bringing children into the world and reconnecting after that and shifting and changing in the dynamics in a, in a relationship post baby. And then, you know, in some ways bringing a baby into this current culture scape and, and what you stand for and what you hope to instill in your children and grandchildren and your grandchildren's children, which is a big deal, really big deal. Um, I'm I'm curious in the midst of all of that, like towards the end of our conversation now, like what really feels alive? What's on your heart that you like to end our show with? Mm. Yeah. What's on my heart. Uh, this is the advice I want to tell myself and I'll invite everybody else to listen if you choose to. Uh, but I think we're living in a time where humanity wins. If all of us do our very best to let our words and actions uh, arise out of alignment with our own hearts and our own critical thinking. When we do that, humanity wins, period. Uh, I think the human heart and our own critical thinking, which is opposed to using the software of our mind or the hardware of our minds to run someone else's software, 
So when we can do our own thinking and let our words and actions be in alignment with our own heart, humanity wins because the human heart is inherently good. And anything challenging about the world I think comes from people doing things that are not aligned with their heart. But if we start questioning everything and stop outsourcing our decisions, outsourcing our thinking and outsourcing our values and take on self-responsibility that says, I'm going to decide for myself and I need to decide for myself and I need to become self-awareness aware enough to figure out what I stand for rather than outsourcing that, then we get to live in alignment with our heart. And to me, there's no greater freedom than living in alignment with our heart and living in alignment with what our critical thinking tells us the news of the day is rather than outsourcing our news to less than savory networks. That's some good shit right there. Come on. Well said, man. How do I follow that up? That was so beautiful. Um, you know, I think what's on my heart right now is just, um, a message to maybe all mothers. Take your time. This is such a a challenging time to navigate being a mom on the planet and raising children. And I think the most important thing that we can do is to continue to listen to our intuition in our hearts and work on building the love in our family units, building the connections with our um, significant other, our relationships, like building community, building friendships, Um, really doing that inner family work, I think is how we're radically going to change the world. Um, And it's what I think the powers that be are trying to um, disintegrate is the family unit and the power of the love and the connection that's made there. And that's the source of, I think, everything um, in life is that connection and that love that's formed and cultivated and the education that we give our children and how we raise our children. I think it's the most important job on the planet right now. And it's really fucking hard right now to know what to do to navigate and to continue to listen to your own intuition and heart in a time when we're all being mass manipulated, in my opinion. Mm. So I just want to give some love and props to all the moms out there and let you know that I'm with you. And we're going to get through this time where we're going to raise, raise badass children mm. Mm. who are here to usher in the new world, the new earth in a completely new way. Full of unity, freedom, love, and compassion. And um, I think that's all why we're here at this time, raising children at this time. So that's all I can can share without crying more. So, <laughs> Amber, I want you to know that you topped JP. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. JP, I want you to know that if you want to top Amber, then you need to cry. Yeah. <laughs> Just take your time. Take your time. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Take him a while. <laughs> Yeah, I think you just sniffled. Doesn't cry. <laughs> is it a tear or is it COVID? Oh, I went yeah. the whole podcast and I didn't say it. Mm-hmm. No, I feel that Amber. I feel that so much as someone who is about to go down that path. Like this is not. It's not going to be an easy road. Like there's there's so much. Like how how to how to raise a child where they have the freedom to express and the freedom to make their own decisions and figure out who they want to be in the world with so much mixed messaging available. Like how do I protect you and also inspire you to grow and try things on? And uh, how do you instill in a tiny human, you know, the foundation 
of this is how you figure out what your North star is. And it's really powerful. So thank you for going a a couple of years ahead of me so that I can, (laughs) you know, you can tell us when to bob and weave. (laughs) Great. Anything else on your heart, babe? Mm, On my heart. In this convo? Yeah, we touched on a lot. And what comes up for me, and this is something I I say pretty often, and it's akin to, so there's the the fifth agreement, if you're familiar with the four agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz. And the fifth one is be skeptical, but learn to listen. And taking it a step further for me, growing up in a very, having a lot of religious Christian influences, my dad used to quote something from the Bible a lot. I think it's book of James or some shit. And, (laughs) And it's be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger is how it goes. But I think just slow to emotion, slow to be maybe hijacked by emotion, listening to it, and just being yeah super present, um, super patient. And I think then the voice of God, the critical thinking that you're talking about, and the intuition, those things have space um, to show up. And I know that for me, that when I'm when I'm at my best, those things are present. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good shit, y'all. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing your morning with me, us. Hell yeah. This was really beautiful and um, just the way I like it, multifaceted. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so, for having us. Yeah, thank you and so to much. Alexa and mm-hmm. Jordan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been so, so beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. All right, loves. I hope you enjoyed the episode. See you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.